It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Joining us for another Tuesdays with Trey. I, you don't have to know a whole lot about me to know how much I like our next guest. Um, he's actually pretty easy to like. I really haven't run into anyone, even my friends from Clemson, um, who have a negative word to say about Shane Beamer. I mean, to me, it kind of epitomizes what's good and right about sports, even if you happen to pull for another team. He's the head football coach at the University of South Carolina. And he is joining us one day before, I think, what they call fall camp, even though when it's 100 degrees in Columbia, South Carolina, on, on the practice field, I don't think it feels like fall, but I think they call it fall camp, and it starts tomorrow. Coach, I think that's tomorrow, right? Y'all start? It is. Yeah, players. Though I mean, they've been here all summer. And then let me back up. First of all, thanks for having me. And second of all, I'm sure there's a lot of people you could find to say something negative about me. Rival fan base is my wife, probably a fourth time in the week. Uh, but appreciate you saying that. But yeah, our players, they've actually been up here since Memorial Day um, back in May, working out in the weight room. But now's the first time that we're able as coaches to actually practice and be on the field with them in pads and no real time limits and things like that as well. So, yeah, it's definitely not fall camp. Uh, to me, it's preseason camp, but that cranks up um, That cranks up Thursday afternoon, and we'll be on the field Friday morning for our first practice. All right, I want you to do this for – even for those of us that, you know, college football is kind of like a mini religion, we still don't really have a sense of what a day in the life of a player – and we'll go with a player first – in preseason camp? I mean, when does the day start? Are there still two-a-days? What is a day in the life like? Yeah, no, there's there's no two-a-days, so to speak, anymore um, in regards to practice. Uh, there's more limitations on what you can do with the players. You got to give them a day off from practice every five days, I believe it is. Uh, but it's still full days, you know. So, for example, Friday is our first practice and uh, just looking at the schedule in front of me, our players, they have to be in the building here in our facility by uh, 6.30 a.m., no later. Um, and then they'll have, you know, they'll be in meetings from, you know, probably uh, the time we start, 7.20 is our first meeting and then we're on the field at 9.20. So a couple hours of meetings before practice, then on the field for practice for a couple hours and then they get lunch and a, kind of a break in the afternoon. Late afternoon, around 4.15, start more meetings, uh, then dinner. And then after dinner, uh, we're able to – you can't have two days anymore, but you can go out on the field and do a walkthrough. So it's not as um, – you're not out there as long, and it's not physical, and you're not in pads, but it's still somewhat of a practice. So you're able to do that in place of a second practice. And then uh, we finish up that about 8.30, 9 o'clock on, on Friday, and then they're they're done for the day. So it's uh, – a you know, what is that? From the time they get in the building to the time they leave, that's a, you know, solid 14-hour day where from start to finish. And each day from the rest of August until we start school, start classes here at Carolina, 
later in August. Uh, up until then, that's pretty much the schedule. Now we mix up some days. We practice in the afternoon. Sometimes we practice at night. Just because we play at certain times, obviously noon, three thirty, four, seven, whatever it might be. So we want to get experience uh, practicing at the times we're going to play. Also, now I may have this wrong, but I think. You signed a quarterback from South Carolina, Lenora Sellers, I think. And I may have read that he had an interest in becoming a physician later in life. You certainly have a guy named DK Joyner who's I think has an interest in being a lawyer. Mm-hmm. How do you work around like class schedules? And if you have a lab, because I think being a doctor is like a hard thing to become and you have to like go to class and then do well in class. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. They're they're every student athlete here at South Carolina or anywhere, they're here to to get an education and, and get a degree. Um, you know, and so certainly there's classes that that come up um that a guy just has to take and then you have to work around that schedule, whether it means they maybe have to leave practice a little bit early or whatever it might be, you know, during the during the season and during the spring. We practice in the mornings, actually, so that opens up the afternoons and the evenings for for classes. So it really hasn't been too much of a conflict with guys. We've had a few here and there that have had to miss some things. You know, where where it gets tough is some of them, either the Thursday before we play, or I know Southern Cal started practice last week because they play a week before we do. And, you know, I saw today because they're still in summer school out there and uh, they're having to practice early to um to uh to, to get it done you know in time for practice or in time for class and things like that i've ran in that to that at other schools that i've coached where you start practice while summer school is still going on and all the classes are in the mornings and you have to practice at 6 a.m to get them off the field in time we're going to take a quick break more of my conversation with coach shane beamer it's coming up next the Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. All right, expectations. I know you are probably sick of this question. I know you got out a lot at SEC media days. But for people who are not in your line of work, but they're in other lines of work where there are expectations, you... I don't know what your expectations were for season one and two, but for everyone, I think, observing your program, you exceeded expectations. I don't think anybody thought you're going to two bowl games. You're going to beat Clemson for the first time since I was a kid. You're going to beat Tennessee. So many firsts, and yet you could be better this year. And because your schedule's so tough – the way people count wins and losses, therefore success. How do you manage that? You start out of conference with a really good team. You end out of conference with a really good team. And you play in the toughest conference in America. You could be better and be six and six or seven and five. So how do you, how do you like manage that? Yeah, no, it's a challenge. Uh, Competition is a core value in this program, so we can't like have that as a word on a wall and a core value and not live by it. In other words, so I mean, we if you love to compete, this is the place for you because I don't think there's anybody in the world that ha- or anybody in the nation in college football that has a tougher schedule this year than what we do. I look at it as you know, it's a schedule that we we get to play. You get to go compete against the best, and 
And I know it's cliche, but it's really not just, it's just taking it one game at a time. And it's just kind of putting your head down and just go. And, <laughs> and each week its own season and, and you try and do, do the best you can that week and then get ready to play, you know, play another one. And uh, it's a challenge and, you know, it's part of the thing that I love. And certainly we embrace the, the high expectations that, you know, that people have. Before I did this with you today, I had a little bit of time this morning before I came in and family, the whole family, we took took the dog for a walk. And I got one kid that told me they think we're going 10 and 2 this year. I got another child that tells me they'll only be happy if we're in the Orange Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Cotton Bowl, or Fiesta Bowl, or Rose Bowl. And at the end of the season, <laughs> you should come up here and live with us because for years and years as a rabid Carolina fan, we, we were like not competitive in some games. And then, you know, the Tennessee game last year in Clemson, and I'll be honest, my nerves cannot, I don't mind like trying murder cases and I don't mind being on national television, but I cannot watch 18 and 19 year olds on third and two. So I got to flip it off. I flipped off the Clemson game because I said, you know what? We, we got down 14 points. I told my wife, life's too short. Take all the sharp objects away from me. I, I I can't watch it. My nerves. And then my mom started texting me, are you watching this game? No, mom, quit telling me about it. I'm not watching. And then Tim Scott said, can you believe this? So I flipped it back on. Yeah. So come live with us because I don't expect you to go 10 and 2. I mean, it'd be great. I want to ask you about this. I used to sit there and watch my colleagues uh, when I was in politics flip through social media. It's people that don't know them, uh, either on that day telling them how great they are or on you know, maybe the next day telling them how stupid they are. How do you yourself, Shane Beamer, and how do you get your players to tune out what people who don't know them think about them? It's hard. It really is. Um you know, for me, I'm, you know, we're very insulated in this football facility day in, day out. And during the season, after a win, after a loss, it's right back in here on Sunday. And we as coaches, it's right back to work and, and focus on the task at hand because we're in here all day and, and late at night or in the morning. But our players, we only have them four hours a day, Trey. So, I mean, they're we're finishing up practice and, and they're out of here at 12 noon every day. And a lot of them come back in the not at night and things like that in between classes, but they're not, most of them we don't see until the next day. So there's 20 hours a day that they're not with us. Um, and when they are, they're in class, they're, they're in town, they're on their phones and, and they're certainly hearing a lot of information. So, you know, thing that we just try and really emphasize is just one, worry about what you can control. And, you know, um, we didn't listen to a lot of the outside noise. At the beginning, and when I first got here, when there weren't expectations for us, and you know, we're kind of in a unique position right now. There's kind of a mixture of a lot of people, you know, still don't think we're very good, and there's a lot of people that think we're going to be really good this year. So we didn't listen to it two years ago, and not listening to it now. And and I think for our guys, our players do a pretty good job of understand of, of handling it and just understanding that there's a lot of this chatter out there, and you really got to decipher who whose opinion really matters and. You know, it's one thing we'll we'll talk about when we first start meeting with them tomorrow is is social media and how we want to handle it. And and you could get on there and drive yourself crazy if you wanted to, just reading things about yourself and stuff like that. And but to me, if you're doing that, if I'm doing that, that's taken away from the task at hand. And that's trying to, from my standpoint, getting 
getting this team ready to play to its potential every single week and throughout the season. And then if you're an individual player, if you're spending time looking at that and what people are saying about you, you're taking away from your ability to make yourself the very best player you can be is just kind of how I see it. But it's a challenge. There's no doubt about it. And I'd love to say that I just bury my head in the sand and don't listen to it. I feel like I have to in the position that I'm in because our players are hearing it. And I kind of want to know what they're hearing out there and it's not because I'm sitting here just lifting it to it myself, but I do want to have a, a sense of reality on, on what the narrative is out there and what people are are saying, if that makes sense. I try to stay off of all that stuff. I mean, I, I, I try to follow your program. I follow all South Carolina sports. But the things that grown people say about really, I don't want to say kids, but young people and I hate it when when it's between us and Georgia for a recruit and that recruit picks Georgia, but 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 I don't like dislike them personally. I, I don't know why they made the choice they did. It could be to, to be closer to a sick relative. How do I know? As a general rule coach, I, what people that don't know us, I, I don't know why we would care what their opinion of us is. I just agree. Oh, Jenna, you're right, Trey. Whether you're a uh... On Don Staley's women's basketball team or our football team or Bill McDonald and Kaylin Anderson's men's and women's golf team, whatever it may be, there's there these student athletes are 18 and 18, 19, 20 year old young men and women that are dealing with the same things that any 18, 19, 20 year old is. They're just on a the grand stage every single Saturday or or whatever it might be. And, you know, I think people certainly need to keep in mind that. They're, they're all going through challenges and, um, you know, they, they are, I don't want to, like I said, necessarily kids, but they're definitely young people that are in a critical time in their lives. And and that's the thing I love about my job is just being able to have guys come in my office and talk about issues and things like that, that they're dealing with outside of, uh, outside of football, because they like all college students are, are deal with things. Well, my guess is that you're going to stay at the office until midnight or maybe spend the night there. Cause when you go home. The expectations are through the roof. So are you like Dick Vermeil? Do you sleep in the office so you don't have to go home and hear your son say, I'll only be happy if you go to the art school? And we as a program, we embrace the uh, the high expectation. Uh, we want that. You know, we want to compete championships where people expect us to win every game. It beats the alternative. Uh, for sure. So usually when I get home at night, Trey, it's my youngest daughter looks at me and she'll be like, why are you home this early? Do you think? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so I get that regularly as well. But no, I'm not a dick for me. I'm a morning person. I certainly, you know, like to get in here in the morning and and, uh, and get going. But it's hard for me on both ends. So I'll uh, I'll go home at night, but I uh, uh, I do it delicately. All right. I got a couple of things I want to ask you that I think people are going to benefit from, and then I'm going to let you go because this this could be the last like semi-normal day you have for a while. Recruiting, and you cannot comment on recruits that have not committed. So I'm not I'm not. This is me talking. This is not Shane Beamer talking. Uh, South Carolina has done very well uh, recruiting lately. Uh, they're in the game with some players that maybe they weren't in the game with years ago, and they're actually winning some of those battles. But I want to talk to you about the ones that maybe you don't win. You put two or three years of your life 
in a relationship and and contact. And maybe it comes down to you and LSU or you and Michigan. And being second's not the end of the world. I mean, it's better than being 102nd. Right. But you miss out. I mean, do you does it stay with you? Does it stick with you when you when you lose out on on someone? And how do you get over that? No, it's it's uh it's hard. Uh it hurts. Um you know, I remember when I first got into coaching and uh you recruit somebody and he goes to a different school. I remember a coach uh by the name of Woody McCorvey, he's actually on Dow Coach Sweeney's staff at Clemson and he and I were together at Mississippi State. This is where it happened. And I remember him telling me, like Shane, you understand, like you're gonna lose more recruits than you get. Uh in this profession. And he's right. You know, I mean, we, we sign 20 to 25 guys roughly a year, but we offer scholarships more than more, more than that. Um, so you understand that part of it. It hurts. One is a competitor. You don't want to lose. And you're like, well, what do you mean? Why aren't you, you don't want to come to South Carolina? Well, as a competitor and somebody that loves this place, that bothers me. But then, like you said, like you put a lot of time into it, but it's just the relationship piece of it. Like when you're dealing with the awesome young man, which I hopefully we are the majority of the time with a great family. When they tell you, you know, look, this Sacramento is not the place for me, that certainly hurts. And um, a couple things, one, it does stay with you, but then you kind of move on and you say, okay, well, there's a lot of other people that do want to be here. So try not to ride the emotional roller coaster and highs and lows of, of recruiting. You just kind of just stay the course and stay steady and realize that there's other people that are already committed or that you're still recruiting. So you just kind of get back in on those guys uh, without a doubt. The aspect of it was that when a young man uh, tells you that he's going somewhere else, that you're like one of those fans on the message boards that you're talking about where we just blast the kid and are disrespectful and things like that. We've never been that way, but I would say every school says this now, like you better leave on, a, on good terms because there's this thing called the transfer portal that a lot of kids nowadays are go they're they're transferring after a year anyway. I mean, there was a young man that we recruited my first year uh here. He went to another school, went to a school in the ACC, you know, left on good terms, wish you well, best of luck. And he went in the portal last week. And the day he went in the portal, he's calling me to see if we'd have any interest in him coming to South Carolina. And we didn't because of him, but just the position he played. He ended up transferring to another SEC school I saw this week or over the weekend, but you want to leave things on good terms for sure. Wish them well and, and uh, kind of get on to the next one and keep moving. But no, it definitely hurts because you do put so much time into it over, like you said, multiple years. All right. Transfer portal. It's not brand new, but it's really, really new for people that have been watching college football. Not only do you have to recruit high school sophomores and juniors and seniors, you have to recruit your own roster. So how do you, I mean, how do you balance? You, 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 you got a running back who's, you know, good, but not, not getting a lot of carries. And in, in the back of your mind, are you wondering, you know, I, I don't need you to leave. I need you to be patient and give it another year. How do you manage that? Yeah, I would say that uh, it's certainly different nowadays because there is the portal. I get asked all the time, like, if I had to change my coaching style because of the portal and treat guys differently, and no. I mean, we treat guys like we always have. I don't want to be fake, and and this program is what it is. I hope people understand that when they come into it, what they're getting into. But 
uh, each and every week, it's what gives us the best opportunity to be successful. And to me, the biggest thing is just being honest with players going into the season, going into a game, what their role is. And um, sometimes they may not want to hear it, but we're always going to be honest with guys also and give, you know, do what gives us the best chance to be successful week in, week out too. We'll be right back with more of the Trey Gowdy podcast. All right, I'm letting you go with this question. We ask about your your players, day in the life of a coach. The season has started. It's a night game. I think I read somewhere that you prefer early games, but it seems like our fan base likes night games. So it's a 7 o'clock kickoff on ESPN. What is a day in your life like? Oh, uh, well, home or away, we're spending the night in a hotel the night before games just to stay together as a team and be able to do meetings and things like that as well. So if it's a night game and it's a Saturday, I'm waking up, you know, early in the morning uh, at the hotel on Saturday morning and get every game day home or uh, home away, afternoon, night, I always like the first thing I'll do is just get up and go for a run. Just I try and stay fit, try and stay active, burn off some nervous energy. Uh, kill some time, whatever. So I'll, I'll get up and, and, and go for a run. And then after that trade, it's really all structured based on, you know, what we do every Saturday. It's, it's a breakfast as a team, uh, meetings and or walkthroughs for about 30 minutes or an hour. Then we'll have a staff meeting where, you know, I meet with the coaching staff and we just kind of talk about how we're going to play the game, how we're going to handle each position, you know, what the rotation is that, tight end, offensive line, just how we're going to play the players, basically. We talk about contingencies and things that may come up during the game. Um, just try and make a lot of decisions before the game even starts as far as how we're going to handle things that night. And any last-minute injury updates, whatever it might be. Then um, after that staff meeting, I'm probably like any other guy. I'll go back, or not any other guy, but I go back to the hotel room and lay around and watch college football all day. You know, it might be you're texting recruits, so you're talking to recruits on the phone about their gains from the night before. It's going through your notes and getting things prepared in your mind for the game that night. Uh, but also the TV is going in my hotel room, watching games and listening to them at least. And then um, about four hours before the game, go downstairs, eat, uh, uh, one more time with the team. And then, um, you know, we'll have a, about 10 minutes of meetings before we get on the bus and, and head to the stadium. And then once we get to the stadium, it's, it's, if it's a home game, you're meeting with recruits all the way up until pregame warmups. And if it's an away game, you're just kind of killing time until pregame warmups. So it's all pretty structured. And, and you, you, and it's just how much basically do you have the downtime in the afternoon or not? And if it's a night game, you do. And if it's a day game, the schedule is the same in the morning. You just don't have that downtime in the afternoon. So even, I mean, it, home games, you are in a hotel and not in your own home with your family. Correct. I would say most, uh, I would say pretty much every team in the country does that. It's, uh, I don't worry about my players or our players if it's a Friday night. I don't worry about them being out at in five points, the entertainment district here in Columbia at 2 a.m. Like, they're not going to do that. But what you do worry about is not all of our players live in the dorm. We've got guys that live in apartments. And what you don't want is Spencer Rattlers, our starting quarterback, and he's living in an apartment, and his neighbor decided to have a party until 4 a.m. getting ready for the Tennessee game. Spence not able to sleep. Uh, and people are banging on his door and things like that in his apartment complex. So, yeah, we um, we stay in a hotel the night before home game. I don't make the assistant coaches. Stay there unless they want to. If they want to go home to be with their families, 
Uh, they can, but yes, I stay in the hotel and, and, uh, uh, you know, a few of the coaches do and then our team trainer in case there was a illness that came up during the night and, and, and whatnot, our director of football operation, people like that stay, but it's very few staff members for a home game, but it's, uh, it's the players. It's, uh, you know, seven, the 70 players that'll be playing in the game, dude. All right. This really is my last question. And it's for my wife, because I, I, I know what she's going to say. She's going to say, you have had Shane Beamer on your podcast more than anyone else in government, in literature, no matter what. You cannot continue to show favoritism. You had a kid that went to Clemson. You cannot do that. So I know that's what she's sitting there thinking. So I'm going to ask you this. You have three children. We've seen all three of them on the field after the game. They're fully immersed in what their father does for a living. What do you think right now? It's early because they're young. What do you think the three of your children are going to wind up doing? And which one of the three is most likely as the athletic director to call you in and say, I don't know whether to call you Coach Beamer or Dad, but 10 and 2 did not get it done this season. And we're we're not going to add a year to your contract. It's going to. Good luck recruiting with two years left on your contract, but we're not going to add another year. Which of the three is most likely to do that? Oh, man, that's a great – two great questions right there. The one most likely to call me in would honestly see the quiet, sweet one that everybody thinks is quiet and sweet, but our middle child, our youngest daughter, Olivia, she's the one that has very high expectations. She's going to make it very clear. Like she doesn't sugarcoat anything. So my son, he's very supportive, you know, has high expectations, but very positive. My oldest daughter, she's cheerful and positive all the time. We're behind you. Youngest daughter, she's very bottom line. Um, and then that's a great one. It's funny you said that. We were literally in June. We had a family, took a little family vacation and we were down in the Virgin Islands. And Olivia, the daughter that I'm talking about, she's our like really active athletic one. So she and I got up one morning and, Went for this, you know, hike uh, up a mountain in, in uh, uh, St. Thomas before we went to the airport. And we literally had that conversation. Like, what do you think you'll do when you get older? And what do you think your brother and sister will do as well? And based on what she said, she thought her older sister would work in some sort of uh, like designer store, like as a salesperson, because she loves the shop and buy, buy places like that. So she thought she would just work on the floor at a uh, store like that. Uh, Olivia, the person that I'm referring to, I think she's intrigued and could go into the media world. I, I think she likes the sports commentating, you know, sideline reporter type thing. She's interested in that. And, and then she thinks her little brother will, uh, will coach as well, which, you know, like my dad did with me, I would never pressure him to do that, but my son's into it. I mean, his memory is phenomenal and, and he's a huge sports fan and, and knows can remember more things that happened in South Carolina football games over the last two years than I can. I mean, it my mind, but he's into it. So that's, that's where they see the Beamer children or how one of the Beamer children sees her siblings at this point in their stage of life. Well, you are very polite to the sideline reporters. They usually interview you coming out of, a, of the first half or going back into the second half. And it has to be frustrating when you have just watched a half of either not being able to run the ball or not being able to stop the run, and some sideline reporter asks you, 
what are you going to do to run the ball better or stop the run? If you knew the answer to that, you would have already done it. But you're never like Saban's been short with them before. You've never been short with them. No, um, and it was a healthy respect. You know that they have a job to do and uh, they have to ask, you know, some of those questions. But certainly you've had those moments, but we've got some first class ones that we work with here. You know, we work directly, obviously, a lot with the SEC Network and ESPN, ABC, you know, so so from that standpoint, though, you get to know them and, and, and develop relationships with them. And there's a great, great respect for them. And I know that they work really hard and they have a job uh, to do also um, as well. And, and certainly when you're winning going into halftime, you enjoy those those interviews a lot better. I don't know. Saban's in a pretty bad mood whether he's winning or not. So, all right. I cannot thank you enough. And I want your kids to go easy on you. It's a very tough conference. It's a tough line of work. You're only in your start your third year. There's a reason that we got a new coach two years ago. So, I mean, things weren't going great. So, I appreciate it. They will be. And like I said, we love the expectations, and but we're in the early stages of where we're going as a program and done some good things in year one and year two. And uh, optimistic year three will be good as well, but so excited for the future and what year four, five, six, and beyond, you know, what that holds going forward with the way that we're building this thing and the way that we're recruiting. Everything that is good and right about college sports, uh, Shane Beamer. I cannot thank you enough, and I wish you all the best tomorrow as you are. Um, are you on the field or are you up in a tower like like Spurrier and those old guys used to be? I'm too active for that. I'm not the tower guy uh, like those old school coaches were. But no, I'm on the field running around and keeping me in shape. I guess Spurrier could have been at the driving range. I don't even know. Was he at practice? He was at practice. He was always with those quarterbacks and receivers, though, throwing routes, for sure. All right, you take care of yourself. Thanks for having me on, Trey. All right, take care, Coach. Thank you. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.